Hi everyone, and welcome back to Beyond the Veil, a podcast about Harry Potter and mental health. I'm your host, Madison Ford. Happy New Year to you all. I hope the first few weeks of 2020 have been treating you well. We're starting off this year with a truly wonderful episode where I got to interview Jean. Jean had some incredible wisdom about loss, love, and parts of life so mysterious they feel like magic. Our interview was quite magical, and there are a few moments in this episode where our muggle technology was overwhelmed by the sheer amount of magic going on. You may notice a few pockets where the audio gets a little funky, but those moments are nothing compared to the vast wisdom Jean had to share. As you might have guessed, a quick content warning, because this episode does discuss death and the loss of a loved one, so make sure to take care of yourself and step away from listening if you need to. This is a really special episode, and I think that y'all are going to love it. Let's dive in. All right, everyone, welcome back to Beyond the Veil. Today on the show, we have Jean. Jean, thank you for being here with us. To get started, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um. Yeah, sure. I am um, Jean, obviously. Um, I live in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I currently work in the higher education administration, and I'm pursuing a master's degree in biology. That's a lot. <laughs> I know, it is a lot to work full-time and go to school part-time, and somehow I find time to um, continue reading avidly and writing as a big part of my life and spending um, extreme amounts of time outdoors whenever possible. Wonderful. I love outdoor time myself. So uh, I'm glad you find the time. That's a, sometimes it's nice to be busy, but having those moments where you can just disconnect is really nice. Yes. So what sort of Potter information would you like to share about yourself? Um, Well, you know, funnily enough, I always get asked this question and growing up, no one ever asked me about, you know, like what Hogwarts house you were part of and so on. Um, Potter Moore tells me I'm a Ravenclaw, but somehow deep down, I feel more like a Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. Um, and my Patronus is a wolf. Oh, I um, love that. I know. It's, it's my favorite animal, too. So it's funny that lined up. I Yeah, it's kind of like I still regret I did not get a letter when I was 11 years old. <laughs> oh, we all do. I know. <laughs> It's September 3rd as we're recording this, so I'm feeling the uh, the sadness about not going to Hogwarts pretty strongly right now. I know. Right One now. time um, on the eve of September 1st, I actually heard an owl calling outside my window. I'm like, oh! <gasps> Hopefully oh, you're gosh. leaving a letter. That's a sign of something. <laughs> oh, no such wow. luck. Man. Next time, next time yes. you hear an owl on September first, like, that'll be. I know, the even though I'm doing a master's degree, it's like I will sign up for seven years of wizardry school. <laughs> I'll just Absolutely. do everything over again. <laughs> so, can you tell us about the first time, or just kind of how you discovered the Harry Potter series? So, I discovered the series when I was about seven years old. Um, that was around 2001. Um, at that point in time books I read were kind of like, I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're like Frog and Toad and Owl at Home, um, just kind of basic mm-hmm. reader level books. Um, but my grandma read in the paper one day um, about the Harry Potter series. I think Goblet of Fire had just come out the year before and then the film, so 
Sorcerer's Stone was coming out in the fall, and she was reading articles in the paper more and more about Harry Potter, and she told my mom, um, I think Hillary would like to read this. You know, granted, me being just seven, not <laughs> having a deep comprehension of reading, I was also not the oldest um, child in my family, so I don't know why she pointed me, but kind of fate fell that way, and I got the book, and <laughs> I was so obsessed with it, but I struggled through it, um, because it was something, you know, the first book to me, when you only read those little chapter books, um, just the first book was so monumentally big, you know, little did I know the size of Order of the Phoenix later on, right. um, but that was... I tried so hard and I got through the first chapter and I remember telling my mom, like, could you help me? She didn't have too much time. I was one of five. So she um, ordered the audiobook for me and I listened to it and followed along. And my love of reading and especially of Harry Potter took off from there. Wow. Oh, I love the, there's a feel a little bit like there's this element of being the chosen one with your yes. story. I, yes, that was. I was like, I don't, I never even asked my grandma why. Why did you pick me? I don't yeah. even know what made her think that I would love them, but I, I'm just kind of surprised and then extremely grateful that my grandma introduced me to the wizarding world and a yeah. love of reading. It's so wonderful when that, uh, that love of reading happens within families. That's such a lovely way to connect with people. Yes. Um, so today we're talking about, um, you told me your friendship with Harry kind of started with somebody who came into your life and became something of a father figure in your early teens. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this person? Uh, yeah, I, you know, a lot of the relationship, I have this person, um, he's a good friend of mine. It all started essentially with growing up. I didn't have a dad in my life. I didn't have a father figure. I I had my grandfather, um, and I had a stepfather figure, but he left after a certain amount of time in my life, and we didn't keep any connection. Um, so when I was in my early teens, I was kind of obsessed with wanting to learn to play the guitar. Um, <laughs> and I signed up for music lessons at a local shop, and that is where I met um, my teacher. It would become of a mentor and then as time went on someone who I saw as something more to me. I don't know it seems kind of funny to explain it that way but it I don't know how exactly it's more of an organic um, evolution of a relationship. I can think of all the times you know what led to that kind of relationship that I had with this person but I think it was just a connection that was hard to explain. Um, I think it was in a, a time in my life where I felt kind of lost. Um, I actually envied people especially peers who had a dad. Um, my mom was a single mom and I'm one of mm -hmm. five. So it was, you know, parenting was always kind of spread thin. I, and when that person came to my life and showed a level of care about me that I had never experienced before, um, it clicked. And it became so much more than just, you know, taking lessons or, you know, being a teacher. He started giving me more advice um, and being present in my life and kind of just checking along with me as I went. And then as I grew older, on kind of um, beyond just, you know, like teacher and student. And it's hard to explain, but I hope I am explaining it right. <laughs> it was 
you know, it's one mm-hmm. of those things in life where you encounter someone and they change dramatically with how they make you feel and how they regard you as a person. That is something that, especially if you've never had um, a father figure in your life or a parental figure, that that just grabs you and it makes you feel like we matter. I think that's, that's the best way I could kind of describe it. You know, it went beyond his teaching and learning and I think it was something that happened in my life that he was there at my aid when I needed him. And that to me just showed how much he had meant to me as the time had gone on. Mm-hmm. It's like a cosmic timing with what you needed and the relationship that came into your life. That's uh, That sounds really special. That's uh, It's really wonderful when, whether that be a, you know, like a sort of father figure or a friend, when somebody can come into your life and sort of uh, fill that role, the maybe something that feels like it's been missing. That's, that's, I mean, that's like, that's what magic is, I think. So. I would say that too, because that's kind of the only way to describe it by magic. It's one of those things that happens in life where it, I can't imagine if that had never happened. You know, it just seems so, looking back on it, so extraordinary. And just kind of yeah. gives you the depth of just the weird things that can happen in reality that change the course of your life forever. Definitely. Definitely. And so uh, what, so this person was your teacher. How did the relationship evolve? What was it, uh, what was it like? Um, you know, I would say we had a deep friendship. He was someone who, um, you know, I regarded as kind of father, brother, and friend. Um, that was something, mm-hmm. he was, a, what I would describe, kind of a larger-than-life figure. He obviously loved music, um, loved to tinker with things, loved the outdoors, and really loved animals, especially this, this very large black dog that would seem to be like his alter ego that would follow him around. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Considering the context of our story looking back i'm like you know this is really odd (laughs) (laughs) well if you're listening you might be able to see kind of where this is going with the large black dog um but so uh, wow that's uh, i'm just i'm feeling so much um happiness and you know for you about this relationship it's it sounds like it was very important to you and um when you wrote your submission, you mentioned that this person passed away um, and described your experience as both a numbness and an anger. Uh, Can you kind of walk us through what you were going through at that time? At that time, um, there's a level of denial when someone is ill. Um, He had been ill for a number of years, but it was rather sudden and deteriorating. You know, one moment he was walking around living life and then the next it's like the end is near um there's a, a level of denial on my part someone that was such a larger than life figure and had played such a big role in my teens especially and into early adulthood was suddenly gone when they had passed away and it was such a harrowing experience that to see someone full of life laughing talking and then suddenly 
look like a shell of themselves. And to have to reconcile that is a very difficult thing inwardly mm -hmm. to do while still staying strong um, for that person. You know, there was a lot of no showing emotion. I don't want to upset someone. I don't want to set him. I never asked him in those final days of his life what was going through his mind. Um, but it was, and when he did pass away, I, um, I don't know, I felt like everything was largely unreal for a long time. And, you know, this is going to be interesting to describe, but I feel like it, there was a point where I reached, and looking back on it now, I can't believe how much of that era of my life went after he had passed that I had blocked out mm -hmm. considerably to the point where I really sometimes don't remember what I was doing for six months after he passed away. Wow. I um, I remember feeling so angry at times that he had left me in the sense of a void. You know, for someone I had always gone to for help, guidance, or just to talk with, it was now no more. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, it's indescribable in a way. I felt like a shell. I would keep replaying the last moments I had with him and, and how he had looked after disease had taken a hold of him, that I would replay that constantly in my head, and it would intrude on my life at the most random moments when I thought I was you know, fine or moving on or for once not thinking of death and dying and him being gone. Um, but I, I, it's just, it was so overwhelming that I felt like neither here nor there in the world. Yeah. I didn't know, I felt like I was an alien or, you know, one foot in it, like the next world, one foot in here, I felt so split, you know, like you're trying to hold on to that one person, but they've gone on. Yeah. You're describing something that is so difficult to describe, but I know lots of people identify with that, that feeling of, you know, unreality that can happen when you've experienced something so world changing, um, and you're doing a, a wonderful job of explaining it and how it comes about. Um, and I, I can only imagine uh, as numb as it was that, you know, that bounce between numbness and anger, um, I really feel for you. And um, I'm curious to know as you were going through that, you mentioned in your submission um, there was a certain point where some of Dumbledore's words came into your mind, um, where he says to Harry, you care so much, you feel as though you will bleed to death with the pain of it after Sirius passed away. And so I know there was a bit of a hiatus between when you were you had first read Harry Potter, um, not necessarily, and you can explain uh, because... I don't know the story, obviously, but there was a bit of a hiatus um, between your last real like dealings with Harry Potter and when this quote came into your life. And I'm curious to know how this wisdom kind of came to you at this moment of need. Um, so at that point, I hadn't read a Harry Potter book um, in several years, six months or so after he'd passed away that I... 
I don't know. Harry Potter, Harry himself kept intruding in my life. I don't know why I kept, you know, of all things, when you're in the throes of grief and a certain level of depression as well, that Harry Potter, you know, I wasn't expecting that to be the thing that would pop into my head. And I had just started thinking about it again after years of not really considering it. I mean, he was always there, but at this point, I don't know why. You know, I really can't say why I had thought of it. And, you know, I was thinking about the characters and certain scenarios in the book one evening when I was just alone. And I, and that quote from Dumbledore just popped out randomly. And I remembered it clearly. And at that point, it was the only thing that I felt like described how I was feeling. You know, know, if you've ever lost someone, there's a certain level of, you know, people expect you to go through the stages of grief, let's say, within a timely manner. Um, I don't know why people have a tendency to do that. Like, you know, like three months on there, you know, like tapping their watch, you know, come on, get back to life. You can't live life in this like depressed, grief-stricken state all the time. And that quote, you know, where Dumbledore says that you care so much, you feel as though you will bleed to death with the pain of it, described me feeling, trying to ignore my feelings, um, like trying to assimilate to what people were expecting months down the road, and I just was not able to. And it was just that, you know, it. I was still angry mm-hmm. with my friend for leaving me. Um, and, you know, it brought to mind that scene where Harry is very angry, extremely angry after Sirius dies, and he's destroying Dumbledore's office, and that's, you know, he's denying how he feels because he doesn't want to feel it. And that's how I had felt months after my friend had passed away. It must have been very validating to uh, to come across something that so described what you were going through. It, it, it was, and it was again, the randomness that you know, Harry always has brought into my life not only how he got into my life uh, but just that I, you know, the last thing I would have thought of is Dumbledore. I mean, it was just so out of the blue that it was I mean, a part of it seems kind of laughable, but in others, it's it, it's just crazy. It it felt like a piece of magic, actually, because this fictional character is describing exactly how I feel, and it's something I couldn't really communicate to anyone else around me. You know, not only because they expect you to to start moving forward in life, but I don't think they understood how I had felt. And maybe anyone who's grief-stricken could say, you, know, you don't understand how I feel, but it was just, it was one of those moments where finally I had something that described how I felt. Mm-hmm. And I just went to the, I just picked up the books again and started reading them from start to finish. And then that's how, you know, that's how it all started up again. Yeah. A little, a bridge built to Harry. That's a, so. I'm curious to know, as you were rereading the series with this new experience after this loss, what was it like to read from start to finish again? Um, 
you know, I had definitely aged since the last time I picked up a Harry Potter book. I'd seen, you know, you see more of life once you get out into the world from being, a, you know, a kid and a teenager and so on. And revisiting the books after suffering a loss, it really struck me, you know, as a kid, I was so caught up in the magic of it all. Oh, I just, you know, I wish I could go to Hogwarts. But as an adult, especially when you're in that grief-stricken state, it hit me so much about what really makes the story so compelling is about loss and love. And, you know, I didn't expect to really see that. I Going back into the books, I kind of wanted just to use that as an escapism, but it kind of became a coping mechanism because these characters, what Harry goes through um, with loss... You know, not only, he didn't know his parents, obviously, but, like, when he loses, I guess the first major death to him is the loss of Sirius. And that, that really struck me, again, because I felt mm-hmm. like I could identify with him. You know, Harry, Harry didn't know his father. I didn't, I didn't know mine. And he has that special relationship. And, you know, it's always something that's kind of debated about, you know, whether you know, Sirius is a father figure to Harry, but. There's a special relationship I've always felt that Harry has with Sirius that it's because it's something that, in a way, his parents kind of, you know, assigned Sirius to him. It's it's kind of embodying his parents in this one person, and he, he kind of clings to that idea to Sirius, and it just that, and then what he goes through with that loss of someone, you know, there in your life for a brief period and then they're gone and Sirius is not you know obviously like an older character he's not you know like Dumbledore's age or whatever and he's kind of in the prime of his life he's stuck mentally in a way and it's just such a tragedy that he's gone and you know rereading that again it's just so abrupt and it's so mirrored life that it, it kind of disturbed me reading it again but it was something that I could Mm-hmm. identify with you know harry took on all the meaning that i had been going through you know you experiencing love whether it's from friendship or you know romantic love or whatever and but then when you lose that it's you know it's so represented in books it, it, you know more than the magic what comes to be represented in the books how much a value is put just to love and loving someone in all its forms and then when it's gone you know that's the ultimate loss of team magic you know, there's a redemptive quality to that. I'm not sure how to go into that, but mm-hmm. again, you know, when I was rereading the series, I'm just surprised at how much it's all magical, but it mirrors life. Um, and Harry's just very relatable. Yeah, definitely. What you touched on there for a second with Sirius being, you know, it's debated whether or not he's like a father figure to Harry. And I think what you described, your relationship with your friend, you know, is kind of a friendship, um, you know, like somewhere between a friend and a brother and father, as you said. And that really points to Harry's relationship with Sirius, at least I think so. Um, And as, you know, we mentioned his uh, love for the big black dog earlier. And I'm curious to know, how else do you see your relationship with your friend as being like Harry's with Sirius? I didn't even think of the dog until after he passed away. And it's funny this has come this way because he loved the Harry Potter books too. Um, I hadn't even, again, it's one of 
these magical things. I don't even think of this until after the fact. Uh-huh. And he comes in my life and shows me how much it's mirrored in the books. But I think there's a level of camaraderie. I mean, I felt, uh, you know, my my friend became such a friend to me that I, you know, at times it was, you know, at times it was more like a James and Sirius, more uh-huh. than a Harry and Sirius, how we would get along. But, you know, as it would go on, it just, you know, it developed, especially when I realized that I am more than likely going to lose him. It changed. And, you know, it, Harry, Harry in the later books, he, you know, there's a period like when he's in the Order of the Phoenix, he, or especially, let me back up, in the third through the fifth books, he kind of idolizes Sirius. He doesn't see his flaws. Um, And he doesn't want to recognize them. Hermione's always the one that's pointing them out. Um, But he doesn't doesn't want to see that. He just wants to see people in a way, and this might be wrong, but he wants to see the people he loves in more of a black and white. You know, you're good or you're bad. Mm -hmm. There's no gray loud in there. Um, (laughs) I feel like he, I feel like, and, and he doesn't recognize this, I don't think, until the seventh book that Sirius had Grey in his character. He was not a perfect individual. You know, like most everyone is. I don't think there's a person on this world that's perfect. Um, and, you know, I, I had a tendency also to idolize my friend. Um, I just thought he was so cool. <laughs> you know, he can do no <laughs> wrong. You know, the dude plays guitars. He loves animals. He's always quick to joke. He's, like, larger than life. Um, and it's just, and then, I mean, he had other things in his life that, you know, obviously are a gray area like everyone else, but it was that, you know, how my relationship with him was like with Harry and Sirius. I, it's just the bond more than anything, just that lack of a Mm -hmm. father, that finding one and that bond you, that kind of indescribable bond that you get with someone. And I think Harry and Sirius had that. You know, Harry has yeah. had many father figures in the books you could argue, you know, it's like maybe I've heard of like Hagrid and Mr. Weasley or or Lupin, but Harry always went to Sirius, even though those characters were there. And, you know, Sirius, even if you know he was always on the run, but he would always come to Harry and always would be there for Harry no matter what. And even up until my friend's last days, he would always talk to me, always make an effort in a way to be with me. And I would do the same for him. You know, there was a point where I walked over two miles. They couldn't find parking at the hospital he was at. He couldn't believe it. And I'm like, I am coming here. And I'm going to be here. And, you know, is that, and I'm like, I'll be here once I hike these two miles. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and so I think at that point, too, I remember he was so weak, but he was so shocked. And he, he couldn't believe it. And it's that kind of, I will do anything to show you my friendship. And I think Sirius really has those qualities. He really goes out of his way, sometimes recklessly, you know, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, but he, um, and I think that's what, and Harry would do the same. And it's that level of deep trust, commitment, loyalty, and friendship that embodies their relationship. I think you've made me realize something in that this, there are things that we don't really have words for, right? Like 
you can say you love somebody, but love is a vague word. But I think one of the most beautiful tools that the Harry Potter books give us is when you want to describe that bond that you have, saying that it's like Harry's relationship with Sirius, it gives a name to something that would otherwise be, you know, unnameable in some ways. And so um, I just... I, I just think it's really beautiful that, that that language exists in our fandom so that, you know, we can have this conversation and you can tell me what that was like, what that was like to have this relationship with this person and me having read the books, you know, and not, you know, we're strangers on yeah. the internet, right? But now, <laughs> now I know because you say it's like this. So what a, what a beautiful way to, what a beautiful lens to look through at our lives and to connect with other people. You know, what makes the Harry Potter series special is that, you know, it's all magical, but you know, you can see the real world reflected in it. And especially, you know, when you're relating to the characters, it's because you can see that reflection. That's what makes them so relatable and the scenarios they're in and the feelings they have. Yes, absolutely. That's, there's a realness to the magical world that you don't find in, in every book that you read. Um, so looking at all of this, I'm curious to know um, what your feelings are about the characters of Harry and Sirius. I feel like um, not everybody has had a serious like figure in their life. Um, so just you know, with, with that perspective, when you think about the characters, you know, what are your feelings about them? Do you relate to Harry, to Sirius, just wherever your mind goes on this topic? Um, um, you know, that's kind of, it's kind of funny you bring that up because it's, you know, when I read, reread the series, there were some characters that stood out to me as identifiable at that point. And I think I've mentioned before, you know, Harry especially was, embodied everything that I was feeling, especially with the grief and the loss. Um, and, you know, when you're in the throes of that, especially if people haven't experienced this before, I don't think words can describe it because grief comes with its own depression, but I feel like in my case, it it really came. I, I wasn't expecting to feel that dead inside and numb. Mm-hmm. For a long time, I just was so disinterested in life for months and months after he passed away. And, you know, I, I, when rereading the series and when Harry first meets Sirius and Sirius is describing, you know, when they're in the Shrieking Shack, he's describing how he felt um, with the Dementor. I... You know, he's talking about, like, they lit a... Like, he became so obsessed with this one thought. Um, and even the character, even the figures, the creatures of Dementors themselves, rereading the series, I kind of identified with how Sirius was feeling affected by Dementors. I know there were others that, you know, Harry obviously relives his worst moments, but I feel like, you know, at the end of the third book, Sirius ac- accurately describes what in a way depression feels like and how it can consume you to the point that I don't want to call it obsessive, yeah. but it like sucks you in and you cannot get out. 
And it takes a lot of time to overcome that, you know, and sometimes you, you know, there are people who have chronic depression. Um, and, uh, you know, I feel like I could identify, especially with Sirius at that point, just that I don't know how else to describe it. I, I'm trying to think back to what he, he was saying. Um, I think it, you know, I'm not sure how I can accurately describe. I feel like Sirius is such, sometimes people think is such an odd character in a way. Because he has a lot of issues. I, you know, (laughs) he's stunted in some ways and stuff. And, you know, there's a sort of casual cruelty and arrogance that comes with his character that I'm not sure people would want to identify with, even though that might be present in all of us. But... It's, it's just especially when he's describing what he had kind of personally gone through. And, you know, Sirius has gone through his own loss and then to be stuck in a kind of depressive-induced state for 12 years would do wonders to anyone's mental health, you know? Um, but I think... Yeah. Especially the Dementors, especially in the third book, I had not realized how much... They helped me realize how I felt that that was all very real feeling to me. I, I feel it's ridiculous to describe to someone, you know, especially if they don't understand Harry Potter, that I felt like I had Dementors around me all the time. I, I, I didn't expect that. Yeah. And I know J.K. Rowling had, you know, she's drawing from her own depression and creating those at that point in her life. And it is so accurate that the way they just suck the happiness out of you, that it becomes... You know, I felt like mm-hmm. you feel like you won't be happy again. It feels like you're kind of dying at the inside. And, you know, at that point of just replaying, I don't, I didn't even think that was possible to replay, like, the final days and final moments of someone's life over and over that, I, I don't know if it was like a level of shock that you go through, but it would not go away to the point that I felt so bad thinking of this, but I just was like, I just want to forget about my friend. If this would just please stop, you know, anything, please just make this stop. It was, you know, it was verge on feeling like you're going crazy. That's what a, I mean, the metaphor of Sirius being trapped in this cage with Dementors for such a long time. That's, I haven't heard, I don't think I've heard anybody say they identify with Sirius's experience of Dementors, but I see that connection there that, um, in grief and feeling the intensity, making it feel like, you know, maybe you've been sitting in Azkaban for 12 years. That's a, that's a profound grief. Um, and so something that you wrote in your submission that I thought was so beautifully said was, uh, you said the greatness of our loss showed how much we had loved and that's such a wonderful, beautiful, poignant thing. And so uh, I just want to know today, you know, in your life, how do you cope with loss and grief and even the depression that can come alongside these things? It's been a process. You know, Harry Potter obviously helped it tremendously. It's crazy to admit it, but I don't know how I would have, how I would have been able to pull myself out without going back to Hogwarts. You know, it's funny, 
how it all came to be, you know, coping with grief and loss, part of it has been a journey um, to help myself move away from the consuming, traumatizing thoughts um, and memories. I had taken, funnily enough, a meditation class um, because I wanted to learn how to shut my mind up <laughs> and to not, to not go over and over and over and over again all of these thoughts. Um, I was consumed by the thoughts of death and feeling grief-stricken. And I had taken this meditation class, and I finally came clean to the instructor towards the end of it of why I was there. <laughs> He was always wondering why I wanted to learn how, you know, to shut off specific, you know, I was talking about grief, but he didn't get the whole picture. And I finally told him privately, it's like, you know, my experience. And his instruction to me, which is this going to sound, you know, another reference to the magical world, surprisingly in our real world, that he said, you should quiet your mind. And... He said that I should conjure up the happiest memory I could and let it fill up inside of me and just be in the moment of that happy memory and to close my mind to the negative mm -hmm. thoughts. And I, I mean, I didn't tell him this. I really just want to say, so I just need to cast a Patronus. <laughs> you know, I, I just... I, I was kind of dumbfounded when he told that because it was so surreal. And I mean, it has worked. I And not only the Patronus wow. reference, but to close your mind. I'm like, so I'm supposed to learn how to cast Patronus and do Occlumency at the same time. You know, I, I want to know what kind of world am I in yeah. now? But he, um, it, it works. It really does. You know, just learning to go back to a happy memory. And a lot of my happy memories were involving Harry Potter. You know, I could choose a memory to go back to with my friend, but I haven't, I haven't had the strength to do that at this point because there's always a tinge of sadness that comes with that. But, you know, when I would be one of those teenagers lining up at near midnight to get the book, I, that feeling is indescribable. And I don't know, you, know, you really capture that if you've been there, that exhilarating happiness and learning to bring that in you when you need it and to turn off the negativity to pull yourself back and to focus on this memory it it's life-changing if you're able to work that into your life to cope with grief and loss and you know beyond that you know as time has gone on you know and there's maybe a, a spiritual aspect to this but as time has gone on from when my friend has died, you realize how not only amazing it is it is it to be alive, but to experience love and to feel love for someone else and to have those bonds, you know, regardless of belief or, or whatever. It's just so profound that when you suffer so much, when someone dies, you realize how much that reflects how much you loved. And that is probably one of the greatest things I've realized since my friend passed away. Wow. I feel very moved. Um, that's, yeah, that uh, you've left me a little bit speechless that I think that's just so beautiful 
what a joy it is to feel love. It makes me feel very much like Dumbledore, just in awe of that. But I think that there's a lot of truth in it. Um, so we're approaching the end of our time here. And uh, I want to know if you have any final words of wisdom or advice or uh, if there's anything else you want to share with us. Um, you know, any words of advice? I would say that if you've suffered grief, loss, or even depression, you know, don't be afraid to seek help. And also learn to tune out the voices that tell you you need to move on. You know, um, grief is not a... <laughs> Right. You know, step-by-step process, and then you just wash your hands of it. You know, it's something that you have that is unique to each person and reflects the level of bond that you had with that person or even even a pet. You know, it, don't believe you just have to snap out of it and that there's something wrong with you if you're not snapping out of it. Um, and you know what? Don't, don't be afraid to look for the Harry Potter books. As crazy that is, if you're, you know, obviously, if anyone's listening to this, you're probably a Harry Potter fan, but there's a lot of metaphors in there that reflect real life. And if you take time to think about it, you know, overcoming any dementia in your life is embodying hope and happiness and learning to conjure it when you need it and to close your mind to the evil and the negative. That is, you know, I think what is one of the greatest things that I've learned from not only rereading the series again, but just from Harry himself and you know, going back to my grandma all those years ago, nearly 20 years ago now, that if she had not given me those books, I honestly do not know where I would be. And I would not have had Harry as a friend when I needed him most. I would not have gone back to Hogwarts when I needed to. Wow. Jean, thank you so much for that and for sharing all of this on the podcast. It's, uh, I, I just, I think what you've said is very, very relatable for so many people who have experienced grief. And uh, I really just, you know, thank you very much. I you're it's been a joy to have you on and I'm so excited to share your story with everybody. Thank you. This has been a humbling experience. Thank you all for listening to my episode with Jean. Jean, thank you again for joining us on the show and sharing your story. If you listening have a story that you want to share as a guest on the show, please fill out our submission form and we'll get back to you as soon as possible to talk to you about your story. You can also share your story anonymously if you prefer. This week, I want to thank our patron, Clarissa Henry. Clarissa, thank you so much for your support and for being a part of the Beyond the Veil community. Our patrons help us keep the show going. So, y'all rock. <laughs> If you also want to support the show, please check out our Patreon. Join me next time for another conversation in the headmaster's office. Take care.